if you would please, to Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16. We were there last week. We spoke to you on 2020 Gospel Vision. And uh, we spoke to that uh, end last, last week. And we talked about how uh, in this passage, remember how Paul was wanting to go uh, towards Asia, but the Holy Spirit forbade him to go. And then he said, I'm going to go down to Bithynia. And the, the Holy Ghost said, no, you're not going down to Bithynia. And then he goes down to the little port city of Troas. And while he's at Troas, he has a vision uh, at that time. And uh, during that vision, that dream, there's a man from Macedonia who's saying, come over and help us. And uh, he realizes what God wants him to do. And immediately they make plans and they begin uh, and they get on, on a, a boat and they go over to this other port city there of Philippi and they're down here in this area and as they come across uh, to Macedonia and this small city of Philippi in verse 12 uh, you were reading that it says and from thence Philippi which is the chief city of the part of Macedonia a colony and were in that city abiding certain days and we know as they got there they understood that uh, there was a time where people would come down to pray and uh, they would come down to uh, the certain location and they were very strategic in what they were trying to do. And uh, Paul and them come down and uh, they, they know that there's going to be a group gathered there and we know that the Apostle Paul, his main goal was preaching the gospel. And so he goes to an area where he's uh, strategically looking for someone to give the gospel to and here comes Lydia and Lydia comes down there and she's a seller of purple it said someone who uh, had a business there and was selling things and she heard the word of God she heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and through this conversation that she had with Paul the Holy Spirit spoke to her heart and she received the Lord Jesus as her savior. And listen, I, I even get excited about hearing about people in the Word of God who got saved. What a blessing it is. And uh, we're going to talk about some things uh, tonight in this passage as I was continuing to study. I was going to go to chapter 17, but as I was reading through this again this week, God brought my mind back to some other things that I want to kind of focus in on tonight and uh, ask a question this evening. I'm going to preach uh, a message to you tonight out of uh, this passage again, but I want to show you some things of what took place in all of this. Uh, and we're going to start reading in verse number 10 and read down through here for a little while. And I want to share some things with you tonight. It says, And after he'd seen a vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samotharchia, uh, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is in the chief city, the part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we're, the city, uh, and we're in the city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by the riverside, where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the woman and res uh, which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attained unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her house, she besought us, saying, If ye judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come in to my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went uh, to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain uh, by, by soothsaying. 
The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrate ran off their, uh, ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast uh, in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. You notice they were speaking at the uh, riverside there, and Lydia heard what they were saying, and the Holy Ghost opened her heart, and the Lord opened her heart, and she was able to receive. And now, verse 25, it says, And they prayed and sang praises, and the prisoners heard them. Verse 26, though, is what really got my attention this week as I was reading it. It said this, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. I'm going to preach a message to you out of uh, that verse. It says, And when suddenly there was a great earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. I'm going to preach a message I've entitled tonight, When God Shakes Things Up. When God Shakes Things Up. We'll talk about that this evening. Let's pray again. Well, we love you. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the word of God. I pray that you'll use uh, this message to speak to our hearts tonight. We just thank you and praise you for all that you've done. Lord, if there's any in our midst that do not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you tonight. Lord, and we'll give you the praise, the honor, and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was thinking about this uh, verse in verse 26, I, I love when you're going through the Word of God and God just jumps something off the pages at you as you're reading and uh, you begin to dive into it and God begins to show you some things. And, you know, God works in people's hearts differently and He uses circumstances differently in people's lives to show His glory and to show His power to each and every one of them. We, if we were to go back to Lydia, it was just a simple conversation. That God shook up Lydia's heart through. It was a conversation that the Apostle Paul was having with people just preaching the gospel. And the words, the conversation that she had, that she heard, just drew her. And it just, God shook up her heart and shook up her life. And she understood her need of salvation. And she trusted Jesus as her Savior through a conversation. And then there was a damsel who was possessed. And it says that this damsel uh, was possessed with a spirit of divination, met him, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And thus did many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her the same hour. See, this damsel, it wasn't just a conversation. It was, in fact, a confrontation that she had with Paul. A confrontation that came forward, and in the name of Jesus, the Apostle Paul cast out this devil. You say, well, Paul must have had a lot of power. No, Paul had a lot of faith. 
Because Paul understood that he was nothing without God. And he really rebuked that devil in the name of Jesus Christ. And it was the power of the Lord Jesus that made that devil obey. Because he has to flee whenever Jesus is on the scene. And then this jailer, we know what happens. We're gonna, uh, I'm just kind of setting the groundwork for the message tonight. So God shook up this damsel's heart uh, through a confrontation uh, that came at this time with Paul. And then now this jailer was charged to uh, hold, watch over these prisoners in jail. And it said, giving this charge, he thrust them into the jail. I don't think this soldier was very kind to them. I don't think that he gently placed them into the the jail. It said he thrust them into the jail. I remember when I was a police officer, there was a couple times, a couple situations where, uh, Brother Guy, we would try to get somebody in the back of the car and they didn't want to go. So we had to help thrust them into the car. Needless to say, they went against their will into the car, okay? And I think that he had to thrust people into the jail. He was, this is one of these Roman soldiers, one of these guys that was nobody to trifle with. This is somebody I'm sure was a very calloused individual. He was someone that just realized that Paul and them had been, bitten, had been beaten already and uh, they were thrust now into the prison. Here he falls asleep. Shows you how uh, he didn't lose any sleep over their suffering, did he? He was the kind of man that was a very hard man. I don't believe that Paul could have just walked up to him and said, Oh, by the way, you need to be saved. No, they just began to sing praises and pray. And I don't know what their prayer was, but I do believe it maybe was something sort of like this. That Paul just begins to pray and say, God, I know that we're going through what we're going through because it's your will for us to do so. And God, while we're here in this jail, I pray that your glory and your honor will go forth to everybody that's around. And God, I know that this jailer doesn't know you as his Savior. And I know there's some other people in this jail that don't know your power and don't know your glory. And God, if it be your will, let you just show off and show these people that how good you are and how powerful you are. And we just saw Lydia get saved. And we saw this uh, devil cast out of this damsel already. And now here we are. We've been suffering a little bit. But God, I'm still following you. And I'm still trusting in you and God would you show yourself powerful in this place I could just see the apostle Paul saying something similar to that and the Bible says that there was a great earthquake and the prison was shaken and through this time now this jailer wakes up and as he wakes up he notices that the prison bars are open the doors are open and he begins to uh, kill himself he said he was going to take his own life and Paul says do thyself no harm for we are all here and see I believe that what God was doing in this after they were singing praises and praying listen I don't believe that that jailer had to come in and ask them what it was that they had been talking about He had heard the gospel already. I I know that he did. You say, why? Because he comes running in and he falls down in front of Paul and them and says, what must I do to be saved? He said, listen, what is it that I've got to do to trust this Jesus as my Savior? What is it that I've got to do to receive him into my heart? And he had already heard about all these things. But during this time, God used the consequences of his actions to show him that he needed a Savior. See, he understood that he was about to die because if these guys would have left, if they would have all fled, 
he was going to take his own life because he understood that he would have to stand before the rulers and give an account of why these prisoners are free now. And they probably would have taken his life. So God was using circumstances in his life and consequences that would have come to show his need. See, the Holy Spirit works in miraculous ways. And sometimes it's just a conversation that stirs up people's heart. Sometimes it's a confrontation that stirs up people's heart. Sometimes it's revealing the consequences of sin and the consequences of our actions that stirs men's hearts and shows them their need for salvation. When God shook this prison, I want us to look back, though, and see some things about this passage of Scripture. Look back at verse number 16. God shakes things up in our life through different things. But I want to look at some of this stuff that we need to realize in this passage of Scripture. Verse 16, it said, And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto you the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out this same hour. I want you to see, firstly, there's a reality of spiritual warfare that we're going to face in the Christian life. See, the Apostle Paul, as I read this, I'm thinking, man, this damsel's saying some truthful things, isn't she? This damsel's using the truth, saying, hey, they came to tell us about the Savior. Tell them about Jesus. But this devil that was possessing this young girl was doing it in a mockery type way, I believe. He was doing it in such a way that uh, people were, uh, though they were hearing a little bit of truth, but Satan always mixes the truth with lies. He always uh, takes the truth and adds some poison with it. Uh, Satan always does that. If you notice, that's what he did to Eve in the garden. He began to use truth and he added some poison with it. He said, thou shalt not surely die. For God knows in the day that you eat it thereof, you'll be as God, knowing good and evil. See, he was selling truth, but he was also mixing poison. He was also mixing poison and all that. There was a demonic force in this story that we read about, this young damsel who was possessed by a devil. And now here there's some good things being said, but uh, Paul realizes that this wasn't just some girl that was proclaiming the Lord Jesus. This was actually the devil inside of someone mocking what they were doing and trying to come out and to sway people in a different direction. Maybe show them that, hey, uh, this girl's crazy and if she's speaking up for them, maybe we ought not to listen to what they have to say. He was trying to twist things in a certain way to get the gospel of none effect in their life. And it was a demonic force and a deceptive force that was going on in this passage of Scripture. And uh, we have to realize that the life that we live and this battle that we face every day in our life is a spiritual battle, the reality of a spiritual warfare. You understand, we fight a real spiritual battle every day of our life. If you're a child of God, we face a spiritual battle every day. It is a demonic force that that comes after us. What is that demonic force? It's Satan and the fallen angels. It's those that we struggle with, that those principalities that we fight against, those uh, the, the 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 devil who is the prince and the power of the air, that the one who's the that one over the world right now that's trying to draw men away from God. That's the one that we're fighting against. And it's a powerful force. 
And Hollywood's done a good job of desensitizing us to the fact that there is a real live warfare that we fight. That's why the Bible tells us to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Very important for us to understand that we are in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle. And Paul and them, as they're going through preaching the gospel, they understood they were fighting against some spiritual battles. Here this damsel's coming and uh, she's possessed of a devil and it's a demonic force, a deceptive force, and it's a destructive force. I want you to think what this girl was going through. Here this girl was that was possessed of a devil and now she, she's uh, walking around doing a mocking type thing. She's speaking and all of a sudden, I mean her life right now is just being used for someone else's gain. Really, her life has no meaning to it. She's possessed of a devil, just making money for other people who own her. And now uh, Paul just has enough of it. And finally, he turns around and he rebukes the devil in the name of Christ. And the devil comes out of her. Isn't it intriguing that whenever Jesus is commanded, that the devils have to obey? You say, what do you mean? When the name of Jesus is brought forth, they tremble. When, when someone as powerful as God shows up, Satan has to flee. And when the Bible tells us to resist the devil and he will flee from you, you know how we resist him? We resist him with the armor of God. We resist him with the name of Almighty Savior. And what a blessing it is that we can walk with him and understand that there's a reality in this spiritual warfare. Let's not uh, believe the lie that, oh, we're, we're going to be just fine because uh, we, we know that, you know, there's, there's things they try to do, but we're, we're smarter than that. No, listen, the fact is Satan's very good at what he does. He's very good at being deceptive. Satan will show us temporary delights without showing us eternal disasters. Satan will, oh, I have a, uh, a quote in the front of my Bible that says, Satan will make you dance on the brink of hell as if you are in heaven. He'll make things look like you're right there and everything's going good, but you're one slip away from falling off into a disaster. And that's what Satan's very good at. He never lets you, uh, let you think that, hey, what I'm doing here is going to cause me a lot of problems. He gives you the truth without... A testimony. See, you understand truth without a testimony is poison. You say, what do you mean? If you have truth but you live something contrary to it, it's poisonous to those around us. Oh, I can tell you, hey, the Bible says to live holy, righteously, and godly in this present world. But if I don't live holy, righteously, and godly, my words are very poisonous to others because it desensitizes them and they think, hey, that's just hypocritical in the statement. Because you say you do one thing and you live another thing, it's double-minded and unstableness. And guess what? It's poisonous to those that believe it or that are watching you that say you believe what you believe. I believe every child of God in this room tonight would say, yes, I love the Lord. If we sing the song, oh, church, do you love Jesus? We'll say, oh, yes, I love Jesus. We'll say, do you really love Jesus? Yes, I really love Jesus. Tell me why you love Jesus. This is why I love Jesus, because he first loved me. And you know what? We'll hear people sing that song, and man, they'll say, oh, oh, church, do you love Jesus? And they'll shout it back, oh, yes, we love Jesus, and all this stuff. And they're saying, oh, we believe this truth. But yet, where are they when it seems like it's just a Sunday morning type religion to them? The only time they open the Word of God is in church service. The only time they ever talk to the Lord is when they're in trouble. 
Oh, but they'll sing the song, oh, church, do you love Jesus? They'll sing, oh, victory in Jesus, and they'll proclaim truth, but they don't live the testimony, and it's poisonous to those around them. That's what Satan tries to do. Oh, he tries to tell a little bit of truth and mix it with some poison. Why? Because it just takes a little bit of poison to kill somebody as far as spiritually. It takes a little bit of that spiritual poison to destroy us spiritually. And listen, this damsel, oh, she was saying some good things. These men are servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Guess what she was saying? She was saying truth. She was saying truth. But you know what? This devil inside of her was just mocking what they were doing. And as people were coming around hearing this girl, they knew what this girl was all about. They understood that these guys made money off of this girl that would tell people things. And they understood it was this demonic type spirit inside of her. And they realized, listen, if if she's proclaiming this, then we probably shouldn't listen to what they have to say. See, he's mixing the truth and trying to make this little lie but the apostle paul was smarter he wasn't ignorant of satan's devices he understood what was going on he understood where the battle was and the battle was in this spiritual warfare so firstly i want you to see the reality of a spiritual warfare that it's a demonic force a deceptive force and a destructive force but not only the reality of the spiritual warfare in this i want you to see the importance of the spirit-filled witness the importance of a spirit-filled witness Look at verse number 25. It says, And at midnight, Paul and Silas did what? Prayed and what? And sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Now hold on a second. What do you mean the importance of a spirit-filled witness? You understand that in Acts 1.8, when we got to the very, at the very beginning of Acts where we started, it says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And he told them to tarry in Jerusalem because he was going to pour out a spirit. And it said, and they were all in one accord in prayer and supplication. And guess what? They received the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Because they prepared it through prayer and cleansing of their life. They obeyed what the Lord told them to do. But he said this, if you're going to be a witness for me, you need to be a spirit-filled, powerful witness. That's what he said. You shall receive power, right? After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Notice what he said was present first before they became witnesses unto him. The spirit present in our life. Listen, the word of God does exactly what it does despite who we are. You understand the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Somebody who proclaims the name of the Lord, the word of God can use that to pierce somebody's heart. But I want you to think about the importance of a spirit-filled witness. Here, they commanded this devil to come out of this girl, and she obeyed. Why? Because the presence of the Holy Spirit was there, and he commanded them to leave. And so when they command them in the name of Jesus, that power was there and showed that. But now they're in prison, and guess what? They're praying and singing praises. And here, this Roman soldier who has no care for human life, no care about their well-being, no care about any of that. He's doing his job as a Roman soldier. He's, in fact, so comfortable with uh, the position that they're in that he goes to sleep. And they're praying, and they're singing praises. 
And you know what? I can believe that, I don't know, they probably didn't have the song Victory in Jesus back then and all, but their version of it, whatever it was. The Apostle Paul understood where he was before Jesus found him and what he was now since that road to Damascus and what the Lord's done in his life. And man, they're singing praises unto the Lord. And as they're singing praises to the Lord, I believe that, that praises that happened, that the, the Holy Spirit began to penetrate a little bit into that Roman soldier. And the presence of God was just, God was glorified in it. And God showed up and he just rang the house. Hear the jail and all of it just begin to rattle through this earthquake. I believe God was having a field day. Why? Because they were singing praises and praying to him. And you know what? Isn't it amazing that God, we read about this and we think, wow, wouldn't that be amazing if God did that? You understand that same God in this passage is still God today. And if we believed as much as they believed that maybe God would shake our house every once in a while. And listen, the fact is that God can still do it today and the importance of being a spirit-filled witness, it's very crucial in our life. We have to have the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. You understand that what you're full of comes out when the pressure's on. When you're squeezed and the pressure's applied, what's really on the inside's going to come out? What you are on the inside, I, I was thinking about that. I, my daughter loves those Boston cream donuts. You know, Daisy loves those things. But you know what? If I squeeze that donut, guess what's going to come out of it? Boston cream stuff, right? Because that's, well, that's what it's full of. But you know what? When you fill yourself with ungodliness and worldliness and wickedness, when the pressure's applied, guess what comes out? Ungodliness, worldliness, and wickedness. But when you're full of the Spirit of God and the pressure's applied, guess what happens? Prayer and praises come out. Here the pressure's been applied in Paul's life. The pressure's been applied in these guys' life. They were just uh, beaten and thrown into prison. And guess what? Most of us would have been like, I'm out of here. Them bars opened up. We did got out of there, buddy. We would have left, found our way out. I'm out of here. See you later. But Paul said, hey, hold on a second. God just did something. God's about to do. I want to see what God's up to. I'm not going anywhere because I want to see what the Lord's up to. They're singing praises and they're praying. And now the bars open up, the shackles fall off. That jailer's awoken from whatever it was uh, that, that startled him. Maybe something fell down and uh, maybe one of the lamps or lanterns that were there or the flame that was there to for, give him light fell off the wall and startled him. I don't know what it was other than things shaking around and him waking up and all of a sudden running in there and saying, what must I do to be saved? He said, hey, you're all, we're here. Don't hurt, don't hurt yourself. We're here. Well, what was it that's going to keep these men that had just been beaten by these people? What's going to keep these men around? I'll tell you what's going to keep them around. They wanted to see what God was up to. And now this guy's life was changed. The importance of a spirit-filled witness is this. When you're full of the Holy Spirit of God, you have a front row seat to the miracles of God. See God do a miracle in somebody's life if you were to point the finger and look around at who you would choose in that jail to be saved we would probably choose one of the prisoners that was jailed next to us maybe one of the guys that was in shackles even before we got in there where they thrust us into the prison maybe it was one of those other guys and we're praying and singing praises hoping they get saved but that one who just thrust us into the jail we're not looking at him thinking man i hope he gets saved 
We probably didn't think too kindly of him. But you know what? Paul and them wanted that man to be saved just like everybody else. Do you know why Jesus wanted the jailer to be saved? The same way he wants you to be saved and all of us to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And because of the spirit fullness in their, their life, God shook things up. I wonder if we based what happens in our life, what we get to experience in the service of God, based on how full of the Spirit we are. I wonder how limited we would be. I wonder how much God wouldn't be able to do with us because we're not full of the Spirit of God. So the fact is, God was able to use these men and all throughout the Bible, different people, He was able to use them. And miraculous things happened. Why? Because they just had the fullness of the Holy Spirit in their life and the presence of God in their life. Listen, more than anything, we ought to desire the presence of God. God needs to be preeminent in everything in our life. He needs to be above all things, above our bank accounts, above our friends, above our spouses, above our children, above our grandparents, our grandchildren. He needs to be above everything. When God is not above those things and those things are above God, we have an idol. And it's impossible for us to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit of God when God's not first place in our life. Why? Because he says if we don't have faith, it's impossible to please him. And if we're not trusting him and putting him in his proper place, we're trusting something else more than him. Guess what? We're not having faith in God the way we're supposed to. And we're not able to please him. Everybody that's saved has access to as much as the Holy Spirit of God as anybody else who's saved. You know why? Because when you got saved and that Holy Spirit indwells inside of you and He lives inside of you, you got as much of the Holy Spirit as you're ever going to get at that day. But the fact is, the reason that we talk about being the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God means it's overflowing where others sense the presence of the Holy Spirit because of what's inside of you. The reality of a spiritual warfare, the importance of a Spirit-filled witness, but I want you to see, lastly, is the power of the Holy Spirit's work. The power of the Holy Spirit's work. It's a transforming power. A transforming power. The one who's singing praises was a murderer. The one who was praying in the jail and singing praises, Paul. He's, he's there, him and Silas are singing to the Lord. And I don't know, we sang victory in Jesus before uh, the service. We sing some other songs and I love hearing you guys sing. But when we lift our voice up, we sing praises to God. I wonder, does the Holy Spirit just get so much joy out of it because he knows what is in our hearts and he knows why we're singing what we're singing. And he knows if we really mean what we're saying when we're singing these songs. And are we really giving praise to God for who he is? Or are we just singing some words because we don't want the person next to us to think we're ungodly or whatever it may be. I wonder, are we really fooled with the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life? And if you are, you're going to get to access the power of the Holy Spirit's work. I'll give a little bit of testimony. I'm not going to give names just for right now, but God's been working in somebody's life here recently. I just got to talk to Brother Matt. Brother Matt was talking to me about somebody uh, that he knows that uh, has had chosen a, a path that's really not a good path to go down, but under the Holy Spirit of God, through the Word of God, God just penetrating that guy's heart. You know what? That's what the power of the Lord does. 
to the power of the work of God. And we get to see people's lives change. Anytime somebody gets saved, we see their life change. Miss Anne-Marie giving those things to that lady uh, and watching just the intriguingness of it and the Holy Spirit begin to draw her. Sometimes it's through conversations that God stirs it up. Sometimes it's through confrontation that God shows it up. Sometimes it's through consequences and circumstances that happen in our life that God shakes things up. But in all of it, the reality is there's a real spiritual warfare that we go through, but the importance of being a spirit-filled witness, we don't see the prison bar shaking. We don't see the power and the presence of God in our life. Why? Because we're so full of sin. But what's on the inside is going to come out. And if you're full of the Holy Spirit of God, guess what? It's going to come out where others can see it. When that pressure is applied, when things get hard, when it seems like we don't know which direction to turn, we'll sing, life is easy when you're up on the mountain. And you have peace of mind like you've never known. But then things change and you're down in the valleys. Don't lose faith for you're never alone. Oh, the God on the mountain is still God in the valley. When things go wrong, he'll make them right. And the God of the good times is still God in the bad times. The God of the day is still God in the night. Listen, when the pressure's applied, who do you sing to? Do you sing his praises? Or do we point our finger at him? Do we begin to yell at him? We begin to say, God, I thought you loved me. Says you talk of faith when you're up on the mountain. Talk comes easy when life's at its best. But it's down in the valley of your trials and temptations. That's when your faith is put to the test. When you're put through the test. When the pressure's applied. What's inside of you is going to come out. See, these guys could sing the praises of God because that's what was inside of them. That's what consumed their life. You know why that jailer was able to be saved in his house? If you continue to read through and what happened, how this jailer got saved, and he says, Sir, what must I do to be saved? In verse number 30, in verse 31, and they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, Thou shalt be saved in thy house. It says, and they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. How does a Roman soldier, a calloused individual, end up? falling on his knees, asking, what must I do to be saved? I'll tell you why. Because of the power of a spirit-filled witness that was willing to preach the word even in the hard time, even in the valley, just talked about God, sang his praises, even through the spiritual warfare when Satan was trying to mislead others. 
Just kept preaching Jesus. Just kept preaching Jesus. God shakes things up. And when God does, are you going to answer him? Listen, is God going to be able to use you to help shake things up? When you start getting full of the Holy Spirit of God, you're going to see God shake some shackles off of people that have bound them for years. People who are callous will fall on their knees before God and begin to cry out for help. Why? Because that's what the Holy Spirit is good at, is drawing men unto himself. Aren't you glad that he drew you? If you're saved here, aren't you glad he drew you? Praise the Lord for that. Aren't you glad he shook up your house one day? Aren't you glad he stirred up your heart, whether it was through conversation, whether it was through a confrontation, whether it was through a circumstance or a consequence, but he shook up your heart, showed you your need for salvation, and you trusted him? Listen, I wonder if you're saved in this room tonight. Are you being a witness for him? Or are you being one that's got truth but no testimony? You say you love God. You say you want God to do things. You say you want God's presence. But we don't live it. You know what that is? That's poison. That's poison. It's like the apple on Snow White. Oh, it looks good. Good enough to eat, right? But it's full of poison. There's a lot of people out there that are spiritually dead because we have truth with no testimony to back it up. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And when they see that you genuinely care about God and that you genuinely believe what you say you believe, they'll start listening to what you have to say. You say, what are you talking about? When your talk matches your walk and your walk matches your talk, people begin to put some trust in what you have to say. See, why could people believe, why could people do that? Because I believe this jailer thought, man, that's weird. The doors are open, the shackles are gone. Why are they still here? Why didn't they leave? Why didn't they run? Why didn't they get out here? You know what? Sirs, there's something different about you. What must I do to be saved? Listen, let's let our light so shine before men. Why? That they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. With our heads bowed.